Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about redeeming the time. we're called to be good stewards of all that God gives us. And today on the podcast, we're going to be considering what the Bible has to say about being a good steward of our time. And I'm grateful to have with me here today to have this conversation, my good friend and fellow pastor, Brian Gaines. Brian is the pastor of leadership and discipleship at Grace Community Church in Glen Rose, Texas, right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's also a contributor to the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, our podcasts, obviously like we're doing today, our blogs, and he is a speaker at our training events. Uh, But most importantly, he is a good friend. Uh, We've known each other for a lot of years, and it's always good to have you back for a conversation. Thanks, Keith. It's good to be here with you again. Well, I can't think of a more timely topic in light of the COVID days. We're recording this uh, at the end of the summer of the now infamous 2020 uh, COVID pandemic year. Uh, We've been thinking a lot about time and and the stewardship of those resources that God gives us. And um, so let's just maybe just start off. Help us understand uh, from a biblical standpoint uh, how the use of time relates to biblical counseling. Yeah, certainly. And so I guess thinking through two perspectives, one as a counselor and then also for our counselees, um, and certainly as as a counselor, uh, we are wanting to uh, make the best use of time by uh, opening the Word of God with those who come for help. Um, There really is no better use of time than to help them uh, understand who they are, understand their situation, understand who God is and what God's word says to them. And so that would be making the best use of time as far as a counselor. Now, as far as as a counselees, uh, you know, we started our ministries about the same time, our counseling centers, uh, about 12 years ago for, for our church. And one thing that I've noticed repeatedly in the course of time is that a lot of our counselees come in and it's very obvious they have not been making the best use of time. In fact, a lot of their issues uh, stem out of um, ultimately heart issues, idolatry issues, things that are wanting more than Christ and to honor him. But that's manifested in the use of their time and how they used it or did not use it as they should have. And so oftentimes, even in, in counseling now, in fact, even in, in the recent weeks, I've had a few counselees who have uh, been given um, some things from the scriptures to go home, to, to study, to meditate upon, to pray through, to put into to application in the context of their home and workplace. And some of them have come back and they've simply not done it. And so they did not make good use of time. And so asking them questions, you know, what, what was more important than this? Um, helping them understand that they actually had the time. Um, and as you ask more specific questions, um, helping them understand that, that growth and change takes place as we, by God's grace, uh, by the powering of his Holy Spirit, um, look to the Word of God and seek to live accordingly. And yet, as you ask them, how did you use this last week? Tell me what you did yesterday and the day before and the day before. And what I usually find is there was anywhere from 15 to, to 30 hours of television time, of just surfing the Internet, and they couldn't give the 30 minutes to an hour that I asked them to do for for their homework. And so, again, it's it's how the time was used. They did not redeem the time. They did not make the most of the time. The time ultimately was, was squandered, and it didn't help them then look to God um, and to walk according to his words that they would know uh, the blessing uh, that he desires to, to put upon those who seek to honor him in the use of time. 
Yeah, that's good. Just realizing that our spiritual growth and, and counseling success as we come alongside hurting people and helping them to grow, that that really is contingent on. They're using their time wisely and purposefully. And, of course, with a lot of us at home more and with more discretionary time, if things have shut down, stewardship is a huge issue. Certainly. Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, that's one of the main verses we read in Scripture as God would help us to understand stewardship from a biblical point of view. Uh, he calls their believers to make the best use of time. Uh, what does that mean, to make the best use of time? Yeah, and so as we consider that, that phrase, making the best use of time, I think the KJV says to redeem the time. And so it means to rescue it from loss uh, by making the, the most of the time given to us in such a way, ultimately, that it continually points us and others to Christ. Um, and so a, a verse that most of us would use at some point with our counselees would be 1 Corinthians 10.31. It's whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, uh, do all for the glory of God. And all that is done in the course of, of time and how we use uh, that time. And so as, you, as we think through Ephesians you know, 5, backing up to even verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of time because the days are evil. And so that looking carefully how you walk is is to take great diligence in how you conduct yourself. And I think in, in Ephesians, this is, I believe, the eighth time that that word walk is used um, in how we conduct ourselves in light of the gospel, in light of our identity in Christ. And so look carefully in how we walk. And so, uh, you know, Richard Baxter has uh, a great little um, writing he did on making the best use of time and what that means. And I'll share just four of those um, that, that really stood out to me. One, he says, relating to time, cast none of it away in vain, but use every minute of it as a most precious thing. You know, that, that's convicting to me right away. Because um, how much time have I kind of just cast away? I didn't really view it as a gift of God, as something that was precious, as something that I can make much of Christ in, and therefore it was squandered. A second, do the best and greatest good that we are able and have a call to do. And so certainly with our counselees, you know, what is the best thing that you could do with your time? Um, what has God called you to do as a husband, as a father, uh, as an employee, as a member of the local church? Um, what is God's very clear, specific call upon you? And how can you make the best use of the time in regards to that calling? Another way to redeem the time, according to Baxter, is to do the best things in the best manner and do as much good as possible. And so it's not half-heartedly getting the job done so we can get that checklist you know, mentality going, but rather to view everything as an act of worship. Uh, I think it's Colossians 3, 23 and 24, uh, where Paul talks about doing all that we do, not as unto men, but unto the Lord. And so in all that we do in the course of time, uh, to view it as an act of worship and to, to do it as unto to Christ. And then the last one, and this is important as well, uh, put with or part with all that need be parted with to save our time. And so in other words, you think back through the counseling I mentioned uh, in the last few weeks, um, there were some things that needed to be parted with. And some of them weren't necessarily bad or evil in of themselves, but they prevented him from doing that, which was a clear calling of God and loving his wife as Christ of the church and bringing his children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, when it comes down to it, um, having the latest research on certain things that really, in the light of eternity, make no difference whatsoever, um, those, those kept him from fulfilling his calling and making the best use of time. And so there are simply some things we need to, to part with. 
Um, you know, I know years ago, and not that everybody needs to do this, but when we moved into our new house, um, we intentionally did not hook up the television. Because with three kids at the time, four now, um, I've been guilty in the past of, of squandering time there that was not ultimately edifying or beneficial to anybody else. And really, uh, oftentimes I find myself frustrated. You can't even watch the, you know, the six o'clock news without, you know, things that just aren't honoring to the Lord being on there. And so we just didn't connect that. But what I found in having done that is it freed up time, so to speak, to do things that were much more profitable and, and beneficial. And so I'm glad for the uh, the grace of God there um, in that decision to uh, to part from some of those things that would rob us from maybe making the best use of time. And, you know, a personal conviction is as I studied this passage years ago. Uh, and Ephesians, of course, is just one of those those letters, book of the Bible, where um, as counselors we want to know it well. Um, it's just so good. If you've got a counselee who's coming in and, and they haven't been in the Word, Ephesians is usually a great place to start with them, uh, with a professing believer, because the gospel is so clear there. Their identity in Christ is so clear there, and how they're to live is just so clear there. And to get them back into the habit of reading that, but in studying that as a counselor for my counselees, this particular verse really brought a lot of conviction in my own life. Making the best use of time. And I don't know that I squandered. I don't know that I was using a lot of of time sinfully, so to speak. But when I thought about who Christ is and how he is worthy of the entirety of our lives, I became convicted. I'm really not, in so many ways, making the best use of time. I'm not showing in, in all that I do and all of my conversations that Christ is worthy. I'm not pointing people to Christ in, in the entirety of, of my life and enjoying him as I should in the entirety of my life. And so it, it's a verse that's a, it's a gospel response, making the best use of time. Consider who you are in Christ. Consider who Christ is and, and, and show forth his worth in all that we do. Well, with that very helpful explanation, what would, what would you say should motivate that pursuit? What are some reasons why we should seek to make the best use of our time? Okay, well, I think going back to verse 16 there, making the best use of time, there's a reason given right there in that context. And it says, because the days are evil. Uh, certainly we know that back from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, the serpent comes, and what's he seek to do? He seeks to cause them to, to doubt God's goodness, um, to distort God's word, to deceive them. And, and that has not ceased. And Satan's been at that for a very, very long time. He uses the things of this world to appeal to indwelling sin, to lead us astray from where true satisfaction and purpose is in the person and work of Christ and to lead us into the things of this world. And so, uh, in part, um, making the best use of time means we acknowledge that the days are evil. Oh, you know, probably my, my second favorite book next to the Bible is uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And as I was thinking through this passage um, years ago when I first went through it, I was also reading Pilgrim's Progress again and came to the enchanted ground. And as you think about the days being evil, um, you see that very clearly after Christian has come out of Palace Beautiful. He's put on the whole armor of God, immediately goes down to the Valley of Humiliation, and he encounters Apollyon, uh, the evil one, Satan, uh, face to face. And it's obvious that, that Satan's uh, job, his, his ambition, is to cause Christian to turn back, to follow him once again. And, of course, Christian does not do that. Uh, he knows he has a better master now, and he's set on, on honoring the Lord in all of life. And so there's this great battle that lasts for hours on end. And finally, uh, through the sword, the word of God, um, Christian thrusts Apollyon through, and, and uh, in Christ is more than an overcomer. Well, 
that's that's one of those things that most of us are not going to encounter Satan face to face. Satan probably is not going to come after you or I directly. He's got lots of uh, cohorts that may seek to do that. He uses the things of the world to do that. But where we're going to encounter in our own lives and with our counselees, the enemy is, in, in this culture, is the enchanted ground. Where, as Christians, especially here in Texas, in the Bible Belt, um, we can uh, be prone, as with the enchanted ground, where it's a time of ease, um, we can become lethargic. We can be tempted to to lay down, to to take a nap, to not realize that that we're actually still in a battleground. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said of the enchanted ground, You will never catch the devil asleep. Let the devil never catch you asleep. More seeming pilgrims have been destroyed in that portion of the road than anywhere else. And I think that's important then that we go back to the words of Paul uh, where he says there again in verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And so that would be one of the reasons to make the best use of the time. I think another just as, as believers is our calling ultimately is the holiness. And so sticking with the context of Ephesians, uh, back to chapter 1, verse 4, I believe, uh, we have been chosen, adopted into God's family, that we would be holy and blameless. And so God has made us his own children through his Son, by the working of the Holy Spirit, to the praise of his glorious grace. And therefore our calling, skipping into the the imperatives in Ephesians chapter 4, is to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. To Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God in, in all that we do. And so that calling to holiness um, is, is another reason to make the best use of time because becoming holy practically, becoming like Christ, takes place in the context of time. It's progressive sanctification. It's something we have to continually work towards as we look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, I think another reason to redeem the time, and, and I already mentioned this, is because Christ is worthy. You know, if we stick there with that passage, we see in Ephesians 5, uh, 19 through 21, that we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to, the, to, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we, we speak to one another, we address one another um, as unto the Lord. And we, um, we give thanks in the name of Christ. Uh, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we do all that because ultimately Christ is worthy. And so we should be motivated to redeem the time because in time Christ has redeemed us. Uh, just another good article, and I'd encourage people to maybe look this one up, but Jonathan Edwards also talks about redeeming the time. And just a couple points that he gave of reasons why to redeem the time. Uh, he says we should make the best use of time because our welfare depends upon it. And so concerning earthly welfare, we can go to the Proverbs, right? Lots of wisdom there. Proverbs 19.15, uh, slothfulness cast into a deep sleep. And an idle person will suffer hunger. And so there's temporal reasons why we should make the best use of time. Uh, One being most of us like to eat. (laughs) And if we're not making the best use of time, if we're being slothful, if we're being sluggards, at some point that's going to catch up to us. And our temporal needs uh, likely will not be met. Uh, Another component of making the best use of time is considering the eternal perspective. And Jonathan Edwards writes, They that improve time only for their benefit in time, lose it. 
because time has not given was not given for itself, but for that everlasting duration which succeeds it. And so what we do in time matters in the course of eternity. Edwards also goes on to say that we should make the best use of time because time is short. And so if we consider verses like James 4.14, it says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And then Edwards says in that verse, Time is so short and the work which we have to do in it is so great that we have none of it to spare. And, of course, if you have followed the life of Jonathan Edwards, you know I believe it was the age of 1920. Uh, he writes out 70 resolutions. <laughs> in light of the gospel, in light of who God is, in light of his calling, these are the ways that I believe I can seek to fulfill that calling by God's grace and for his glory. His resolution, number five, is this. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. And, of course, as you follow Jonathan Edwards' life, he has 11 children. He's over education. Um, He left a very, very godly heritage. Um, And so much of that, his writings and and the legacy that he left, was because he fulfilled that resolution. Um, He sought to make the best use of time and to honor the Lord in it. And maybe just a couple more from Edwards, and there's, there's more. But he says, we should make the best use of time because time cannot be recovered. Yes, certainly that's true. I've got four children now. I've got one who uh, is chomping at the bits to get a driver's license. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? <laughs> they, they grow up quick. And, you know, I can look back and, and I'm grateful for God's grace and the way that, that uh, I've been able to see my kids grow and, and three of them now looking and trusting in Christ. Uh, but also realizing I've, I've squandered some of that time. I have not made the best use of, of all of that time. And therefore, I need to look at the remaining time that I have and seek to make the best use of time in that. And so it's been said that the time is like a fuse on a stick of dynamite. It's always burning. It's just a matter of time until this life is done. And so somebody else was talking about time, and you hear a clock, you know, tick, 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 tick. And and, and their, their encouragement was every time you hear that tick of a clock, View that as it's time to act now, now, now. What can I do now to the glory of God? How can I fulfill what he has called me to do now in the course of the time that's in front of me? And I think one last thing to consider as we consider reasons why to make the best use of time is because ultimately we're, we're accountable to God for it. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's given by God. Time is one of those good gifts. And as we go back in Ephesians to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes um, that he has saved us uh, to do good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, Keith, ultimately, we know that God didn't save us to live any way that we please, but rather in, in all of life to please him in how we live. And we do that again in the course of time. You know, a famous missionary um, wrote this, and perhaps you've heard this before. If not, I think we can all be encouraged by this. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. If we are honest with ourselves, most of us frequently um, fail to use our time as best as we could. You know, we can all look around us, whether it's somebody who's been impacted by the coronavirus. I personally know two now who have had family members who have been killed by that. Uh, Many more who have lost their lives in car accidents and cancer. 
And the reality of it is this time is short. And it's uncertain from our perspective how much time we have. And so in light of who Christ is, our calling is to make the best use of that time. Very helpful. Very good. Uh, with those reasons, those motivations, I'm already thinking application. You've already alluded to some of that. So, so take what you've just told us about proper motivations to redeem the time and what that looks like. And how do we take that now and apply that to counseling people and maybe just you know, counseling our own hearts even in, in terms of personal application? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think if we continue in Ephesians 5, then verse 17, uh, the calling there, therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And certainly that's why we do biblical counseling. We want our counselees to understand the will of the Lord. And so, you know, as we think about the will of the Lord, we're not talking about his His sovereign or secret will, right? That's for him to know. Uh, but rather his prescribed will, uh, his commanded will. And we are called to understand that because he's made it known to us through his word. And so we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. So so how do we go about doing that? Vody Bauckham gave a five-step process that I find very helpful, very simple. And most of us like simple. And so he says, to, to know the will of God, first and foremost, read your Bible. <laughs> right? God's will, his revealed will is written out for us, and it's there. We just read it. And so we study the word of God. We read the Bible. And then we learn to think, renew our minds in light of what God has said. Not what the world says, not what we prefer, not how we feel, but what has God said, and we learn to think accordingly. And then also we learn to, to pray biblically. Psalm 119.33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. And so, in Lord, in light of what you've revealed through your word, grant me the grace to be able to live in response to that. And if we're still not sure uh, what God's will for us in a given situation, relationship, conflict, whatever it may be, then we go to those who also read God's word and pray. And, and we ask for good biblical guidance and counsel. And after that conversation, if we're still not there, his fifth step is repeat. Go back and start over again. Go back and read your Bible, think biblically, pray biblically, talk to those who also understand and will pray for you in light of that, that we would know his will. And that's what we get the opportunity to do in counseling. And so the practicality of that, if we continue in that passage, um, Paul writes, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And so how do we help others make the best use of time? Well, on the negative side, we help them not to be foolish. Um, and to be foolish is to neglect, to, to not take seriously the word of God, to not live according to how God has revealed himself to us. And an example of that is drunkenness, right? Drunkenness, according to this passage, leads to debauchery. Or it leads to reckless living. Um, and even recently, counseling somebody who um, is struggling with alcohol and is drunk on, on a regular basis, and you see the reckless living and the implications of that upon his home, upon his, his work, his ability to think uh, biblically. And so there's a sense in which he's controlled um, by the drink. He, he runs to the drink to get what ultimately is only meant to be found in Christ. Uh, Christ is to be our refuge. Christ is to be our satisfaction. And so contrary to that, Paul then says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we know that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit characterizes one um, who is medita- meditating upon the Word of God day and night. Um, one who uh, lets the Word of Christ dwell in him richly as he teaches and admonishes one another in all wisdom. And so to be filled with the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God does what? He points us to the Word of God that we might know more fully know the Son of God and therefore to live for him, and so that's that's the direct opposite counter to the one who's getting drunk. Uh, being filled by the Spirit then leads to the fruit of the Spirit, 
And ultimately, that's what he needs to know in his life. And so I think that's a part of, again, how we practically counsel is help people understand, here's the pathway you're on, here's where it leads, here's who Christ is, and here's what he calls you to, and here's uh, what he offers to you. And then, you know, part of biblical counseling in that, too, then, is that we um, have the opportunity, as this passage continues, to address one another with the Word of God. And so, verses 19 and 20, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And so, <laughs> we had a counseling intern this, this past summer, really over the past year, Dalen Pearson, and, and did a wonderful job in serving us there in the church before he took on a position at Rocky Point in Stephenville. And Dalen would often come in the morning, and he would come in either whistling or singing. And I'm usually deep into my studies, and, and at first I get a little bit annoyed because it was loud and it was a distraction. And I was like, ah, do I need to get, any, get up and go tell him, you know, can you keep that down a little bit? <laughs> but I got to thinking about that. You know, he's probably just spent time with the Lord, and, and that singing and that whistling and that humming that's maybe a little bit of a distraction to me right now is, is actually a wonderful, beautiful thing. Um, that he is, he's spent time with the Lord, and, and he is letting that response come forth in song and, and hymns and, and whistling and humming and those types of things. And so ultimately that is is what we want to see within our counselees. Um, we want them to be in the word to the degree that they meet with their Lord, that they know their Savior, that their affections are warm for Christ, that they know now how to live unto him. And there's great joy when they do that. And congregationally on Sundays, you know, we came together even this past Sunday. You know, I was fighting back tears. Maybe I should let them go. But fighting back tears is we're worshiping together as a congregation and we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And you hear your brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping the Lord, proclaiming these great truths. We're encouraged in that. And so in the counseling room, we, we do the same type of thing in a more personal setting. We're, again, opening the word. We're declaring the glory of God and we're encouraging each other to look to Christ. Well, that's very helpful. Uh, I really appreciate this conversation. I think it is uh, the perfect season to talk about um, time and stewardship and how we honor the Lord with right motivations and application. Uh, any final words for us in terms of maybe a resource that you found helpful? I mean, you've mentioned uh, Edwards and Baxter and Spurgeon, so I think we're in a, we're in a good uh, position. <laughs> but uh, any final admonishments or encouragements for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, um, for yourself, if, if you're not in the Word of God on a daily basis, feeding your own soul, seeking to know Him more, and the overflow of that then, making Him known, then uh, that's always a starting place. Um, if we are not truly loving the Lord, uh, our God, ourselves, then it is hard and really hypocritical to encourage others to do that. And so that really is first and foremost. And same thing in the counseling room. It should be an overflow, our counsel to them, of how we've been counseling ourselves through the scriptures and the counsel that we've received ourselves. And maybe a final note to leave us on, uh, back to the Pilgrim's Progress, uh, as they complete this, this journey to the celestial city right before they go over the river of death, uh, again in the enchanted ground. Um, Christian is, is talking to Hopeful. Hopeful is wanting to succumb to the enchanted ground and to lay down and rest and take it easy. And Christian encourages him, in fact, admonishes him, and he says this, No way. If we sleep here, we may never wake. And then Christian proceeds to address Hopeful in song, just like Ephesians 5 and Colossians 6. Uh, with this song, he says, The fellowship of saints, if managed well, keeps them awake in spite of hell. 
And so as Christian and hopeful then continue in the pilgrim's progress, Christian said to hopeful, to keep the drowsiness of this place from overcoming us, let's keep talking about those things that edify our spirits. And hopeful replies, indeed, I agree with all my heart. So Christian asked, where shall we begin? Hopeful replied, where God began with us. And again, it all goes back to the gospel. And so as we consider redeeming the time, especially in this COVID culture right now, um, we need to continue to point others to Christ. Our peace is in him. He is our refuge. He is our joy. He provides all that we need. He is our great physician. In all things, we need to continue to point each other to Christ and to be the body of Christ to each other. And you know, my prayer for, for our church is that on the other side of this, we will all regather. We will all regather unified, and we will all regather more like Christ, having learned through this pandemic to better love each other as Christ has first loved us. Well said. Thanks so much, Brian, for being with us today on Council of the Word. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Council of the Word. For more information about Pastor Brian Gaines and the Ministry of Grace Community Church in Glen Rose, Texas, you can visit their website at gccministries.org. And for more information about CBCD, the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at our website at thecbcd.org.